she had sent a letter to her cousin right after the killing and she said either here or hereafter time will solve the mystery and vindicate his name. I thought what mystery? When Philip was killed it was in broad daylight the only mystery that she could possibly be referring to is the author of this anonymous letter. Welcome to an episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lori Suerta, the author of Star Spangled Scandal. Lori, how's it going? I am great. What's your elevator pitch of your book? So Star Spangled Scandal is a historical fiction about the family of Francis Scott Key. The family behind the song, so to speak. Yes, the family behind the song. Yes. Okay. So first, I want to get into this. This is your very first book, right? Yes, it is. It's the first book. Do you have a background in writing? What, what did you do before that? So I don't have a background in writing, actually, at all. I have always liked reading and writing as English, you know, was always my subject. My background is actually in early childhood education. And when I was working at Rose Hill Manor, I started working there as an early childhood educator for their homeschool history program. So you were a docent then? I was. A tour guide, a docent. Rose Hill Manor gets a lot of school groups that come. Uh, A lot of Frederick County schools visit Rose Hill Manor. Second grader, fifth graders, that age range. And they come to the museum and they get a full guided tour of life in the late 1700s. So I did that for several years and taught their homeschool history history program as well. You know, I'm still involved with them. Mm -hmm. I still technically on staff, but just doing (laughs) other things right now. What was your aha moment working there where you're like, oh, this would be a book? The museum mainly focuses on Thomas Johnson. So I really wanted to know more about Thomas Johnson and his family. And I was starting to do some research and there just really isn't a lot written about him. There's not books like there are about George Washington or the Declaration (laughs) of Independence signers. And so one book that does exist about him is from an old Frederick judge, Edward Delplane, and he wrote a book about Thomas Johnson, and he also wrote one about Francis Scott Key, and those were sort of the only biographies of these two men. So when I was looking into Thomas Johnson, I kept bumping into this story about Francis Scott Key, and I just felt like that was calling my name, but my original intention was actually to write something because I couldn't find anything to read, so I thought, well, I'm going to write something <laughs> then about Thomas Johnson, and it ended up being something totally different. Oh, that's crazy. We have all these buildings named after him, and exactly. there really isn't a recorded history. I mean, the most history you could probably get about him is by going to Rose Hill Manor. They're oh. the leading experts over there, so, yeah. That's fascinating. So... This is your first book. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine, like, writing a book these days could be a very different kind of process. With writing, like, how did it start? Were you just, like, writing notes in a notebook? Did you? Was this something you did, like, just at home at night? Or, like, how did this thing start to come together in your life? It actually started out very old school with a whiteboard and a marker yes. and, like, writing down links between people and dates and trying to make sense of all of this historic information. I wanted to know who was related to who. I wanted to do the research there. So I sort of had this giant whiteboard of notes and arrows pointing to each other that was describing everybody's relationship. I had that for a while, a notebook with pen scratch, you know, notes all (laughs) over it. Once I actually started the writing process, I broke out the laptop and joined the technological world. But, you know, up until then, I was just doing pen to paper. So The fun thing here is that, like, I'm actually holding a physical copy of your book. Yes. Now, I can understand that getting published on Kindle and a couple other things could be a little bit easier. What's the process to get your very first because this is your first book. You have no other kind of thing where it's like, trust me, please publish this. Like, no, exactly. What's it like getting a physical book made? It in, is in this very, very 
difficult in this day and age. The times have changed a lot. So it used to be sort of this dream of submitting your manuscript to a publisher or publishing house like Penguin or some, you know, big name and sort of hoping they dig you out of the slush pile. And it's this big Hollywood moment where you're like, hey, it's my turn. It's my time. And it just sort of doesn't happen that way anymore. Mm -hmm. Not only because there's so much competition with writing at this point, but there's just the publishing houses aren't as prominent as they Mm -hmm. used to be maybe as far as being big money makers with books and things. So they're a little less willing to take on, especially unknown Mm -hmm. authors. So your chances of being picked up by a traditional publisher are basically slim to none. Of course, somebody wins the lottery every now and then, but, (laughs) you know, it's really not how it works anymore. I sort of investigated into a process that you would call hybrid publishing, and that basically means using a publishing company, but it's not sort of an approval process so much as it would be where somebody's taking your book, they're paying you an upfront amount of money, and then you're getting royalties and that kind of thing. It's more you're hiring a company to pay for the services that you don't know how to do yourself. The company I chose was called iUniverse, and I had a friend, Vaughn Ripley, shout out there, but he published a book as well with iUniverse years ago about living with HIV. He had a lot of success with his book, and so I knew he had used iUniverse, and so I actually reached out to him and asked him, you know, what was your experience and how did it go? And he had nothing but good things to say. So I figured, well, I'll give it a try. Basically, I don't know how to take a book from being on Microsoft (laughs) Word and make it look like a book. You can hire them. It's out of your own pocket, Mm -hmm. but you hire them to help you along the process. And then in return, though, you do own more rights to your book than what you would with a traditional publisher. Kind of curious about distribution then. Are you doing your own legwork? Like you're going to bookstores like, hey, here's a great book that you should really put on your shelves. Exactly. The publisher does take care of getting you onto Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, their own website, that kind of thing. Apple Books has the book available. But as far as being in the brick and mortar stores, yes, you have to do a whole lot of that legwork yourself. And actually, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday (laughs) and the woman was saying that even with the traditional publishers nowadays, you are expected to do most of your own legwork. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Going to do events is a big thing. You know, I've done an event at Barnes & Noble in Frederick, and so they've been more willing at that point to think about getting the book in the store. And same with Turn the Page Bookstore in Boonesboro, did mm-hmm. an event there, and now they carry the book in the store. So you kind of have to make those connections and, you know, try to get in that way. So you're reading an excerpt from the book. Are you just reading just the opening, or are you picking like a real spicy bit to get people excited? When we say book reading or event, it's mostly those have just been signing events, you know, where the one in uh, Turn the Page is the bookstore of Nora Roberts. Obviously, lots of attention there and other local authors and I were all available at the same time to talk about our books and do signings and things like that. But this summer on June 25th at Seabur Arts Library downstairs, I will do an official talk or lecture. And so at that point, I'm going to have to, you know, decide if I'm going to go with a spicy bit from it or just talk about things in general. I think I'll probably just talk more in general, maybe read a few excerpts here and there, probably something a little spicy. Well, that's the thing. I keep thinking of like the name Scandal being in the title on that whiteboard. Do you still have a picture of the original I do have a picture of the whiteboard. I definitely do. I love that picture. It's connecting names and lines. That just sounds like a scandal to me. It had scandal written all over it. So I'm I'm looking at the the back. So you live in Frederick. Have you always lived in Frederick? I have not always lived in Frederick. I was born in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? (laughs) I was. Don't tell me 
that's where you're from, too. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Uh, Brian Moe, our, our main DJ, is from Pittsburgh. Oh, is he? And, okay. And, and I feel like you always run into Pittsburgh. There's something about Frederick where there's like... A lot. That, that's the book I need to read where someone buried like a penguin statue somewhere in the city and it's drawing... We're all attracted to it somehow. Like we have a, a Pittsburgh-themed pizza place here in town. Yes, it's we like, do. Belisario's. Yeah, I so, actually know the owner of that place from Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm from Pittsburgh. I was born and raised for a while there. And then I've been in Frederick County. I lived in Montgomery County for mm-hmm. a while when we first moved out of Pittsburgh, but I have been in Frederick County about 20 years in Brunswick. About two years ago, I moved into Frederick and live in Frederick now. Are there any Pittsburgh myths or stories you would ever consider writing a book about? You know, I haven't actually run into any Pittsburgh-related stories yet. I have to think about that one. I got a few ideas rolling around <laughs> in my head right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna overwhelm myself with thoughts. I think right now it already says you're working. You're beginning research on your next yes. novel. Yes, is that another period piece or you? Didn't... So I actually am planning on sort of writing a continuation of this book. Not so much the story itself, but one of the characters in it. Some of the characters in it. There's a little girl in this book named Laura and she sort of goes on to have her own interesting story and I'd like to do the research and really focus on her and write her story. So you said it's a scandal involving the family of Francis Scott I feel like anything on the back of the book is probably safe for this. Yes, so yes. So is the scandal in his family? Is it a member of his family? Where's the scandal from? So the scandal is, well Francis Scott Key had a lot of children. He had mm-hmm. 11 children. Whoa! Uh, yeah he had uh, 6 boys and 5 girls so the boys actually had a lot of traumas and things on the side with the with the boys and their family. Not so much with the girls, but mm-hmm. several of the boys had tragic passings. And then the biggest scandal, which is what the book is about, is his son, Philip Barton Key. He took over his father's position as district attorney in D.C. And he was living in downtown Washington. He began having an affair with a congressman's wife. And so an anonymous letter was written to her husband and told him about the affair that his wife was having with Philip Key. Her husband was, uh, you may have heard of Dan Sickles. Mm -hmm. He later became a Civil War general. A lot of people know him from that. But he actually found Philip in the street. They lived in Lafayette Square there right in front of the White House. He found him in the street and shot him dead in the street in broad daylight in uh, 1859. So that's the setup of the book. That's so this the setup, is, yes. That is a huge... It's oh, a, the, the backdrop of American history and that kind of a Yes, and here. it's a story that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you. I've maybe run into one or two people that have said, oh, yeah, I think I do kind of remember something about hearing about, you know, but most people are like, what? I had no idea. Yeah, so, a lot of people focus on the Hamilton shooting. Yes, the Amber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And something I kind of like about that. So I, before I got into radio, I'm, I was a history major, kind of Mr. Magooed myself into the radio career. <laughs> But one of the things I always like is a little bit of history where you can see the dirt under the nails. Yes. A lot of people, especially in that era, love to overly dramatize or make like like you look at the honest Abe stuff or yes. never telling a lie or like where we've turned some of our founding fathers into mythological That's characters. That's right. I'm always a fan of when you can bring human mistakes and actual things like that into the the background of that. That's an exciting story yeah, to Yeah, I love that you say that because that is so that is such an important piece of this is that a lot of people I guess if there's been any criticism so far that people have had along the way it's of sort of challenging Abraham Lincoln's integrity yeah. in this book and Oh, he's in it? He is. Oh, I yes. just threw that out of nowhere. He, yeah, oh, he's he, on the back. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know? He, you know, a lot of people have very strong feelings about Abraham Lincoln, and so they don't want to think of anything that might have 
been, you know, humanly Mm -hmm. wrong with him. And so, you know, this book is sort of challenging in that way of Abraham Lincoln's integrity, but it's all, you know, sort of a human error, very common situation that we all find ourselves in that you can totally put yourself in his shoes and sort of see it through his eyes. And it just really gives you like an inside view of that, of that president. That's awesome. So this stretches all the way from Francis Scott Key, Abraham Lincoln. Yes. That's an exciting little piece of time right there. Yeah. You know, most of it is historically accurate. So Mm -hmm. all of the pieces that you'll read, we start back as far as Francis Scott Key working on the campaign of Andrew Jackson. So we go back, you know, that far and then we go all the way forward into the future for Abraham Lincoln being elected as president and the Key family still being involved in that situation. So, you know, you're going from probably 10, 20 presidents, Mm -hmm. you know, James Buchanan is a big focus of one of them. So... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So some of the, the presidents don't get as much play these exactly. days. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I guess the way you could say it is that the events are all completely true, but the perhaps dialogue and some of the character motivations are where the book kind of like yes. comes alive. Well, and I'll tell you, I can explain the premise and you'll kind of get the mm-hmm. feel for what that means. But, you know, Teresa's having this affair with Philip Key. There is historical evidence that Teresa Sickles and Mary Todd Lincoln were really good friends. And I actually have a story about that, too. I could tell you about uh, a necklace that I researched and eventually found that sort of proved that link for me. They were friends. And I think about that and I put it into a human context. And I say, even these days, if I'm doing something, who am I going to be talking to about what I'm doing? You know, I'm going to be telling my best friend and I'm going to be saying to her, you can't tell anyone. This is a big secret, you know. And so you've told your best friend. Well, your best friend goes home and she's laying next to her husband at night who in Mary Todd Lincoln's case happens to be Abraham Lincoln, which he's not president yet. You know, this Mm -hmm. is still before, you know, she sort of spills the beans to her husband saying, you can't tell her I told you. I'm not supposed to tell anybody. That kind of thing. (laughs) That kind of a natural unfolding process. And then Abraham Lincoln being, you know, sort of honest Abe and unwilling to keep this secret is sort of named as the anonymous letter writer to the husband. So now I'm excited to check this book out for myself. This looks like a fun read. I bet this would be a good beach read. Yes. Yeah, it really could be. It really could be. And I love that because I love that it could be a beach read and also a historical information. You know, my friends will text me and say, oh, my gosh, I knew the answer on Jeopardy tonight because I read the book, you know, so they get so excited. And but I love that you could read it on the beach and you also be learning something at the same time. You wouldn't even know it. But history is a very exciting thing. And sometimes people forget that unless it's put in the context of a movie or a story. It's like exactly crazy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's so true. Well, this is too much fun. I'm really looking forward to diving into this story. I mean, it it makes sense that a scandal like right in front of the White House is going to have repercussions there. I'm excited to see all this kind of stuff. Yes. Is there any character in particular? I guess you said you're going to follow the story of a little girl. Are there any other characters while you're writing this? You're like, ooh, I really, really like this character. I really like this historical figure. So the book is written in three sections, and Mm -hmm. it's written first by the point of view of Philip, second by Teresa, and then the third point of view is actually the youngest key daughter. Her Mm. name is Alicia Key. They call her Alice. The third section, when I was writing it, when I had the original ideas in my head, I meant to write the third section in a different person. I was going to write it as one of the brothers. And I sort of hit a writer's block when I started trying to write that section. And I'm thinking, why can't I? Why is this not coming together? You know, when you're writing from somebody's point of view, you almost have to become Mm -hmm. that person, you know, and really like step into their shoes. And I just could not be this person. It hit me one day that I was going to write this as Alice or Alicia Key. And at that 
that point, it all just kind of flowed out. I really had this draw to Alicia Key, and she had sent a letter to her cousin back in the day right after the killing, and she said something to the effect of Philip, you know, was worthy and that time will solve the mystery either here or hereafter. Mm -hmm. Time will solve the mystery and vindicate his name. And I saw that little quote from her, and that just really struck me because I thought, what mystery? Because when Philip was killed, it was in broad daylight. Everyone knew that Dan Sickles did it. There was not a mystery. The only mystery that she could possibly be referring to is the author of this anonymous letter. A lot of people have said, well, it doesn't matter who wrote the letter because we all know that Dan Sickles killed him. But to me, that was sort of her message saying it does matter to us. It matters to the key family who wrote this letter that sort of propelled these events into action. That quote pressed me on forward, continuing to try to solve this mystery, as she said in her quote there in the book. Well, thank you so much for your time. Sure. I'm really excited about checking out this book. Now, I end every interview with the exact same question. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? The exciting part to me is being able to get out there and tell this story finally. You know, I've had it written, but, you know, wasn't able to really get it out there to people. So I'm loving being able to put it out there and hear the feedback from everybody. So that really makes me happy and gets me excited. But I'm excited about going and doing some of these events coming up. I really want to try to get into a lot of the places that are personal to the story and have events there where people can come and hear about these characters. Rose Hill Manor, for example, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to do an event there. I'd really love to get into Fort McHenry or, you know, some of those kind of places. So just really getting the book out there and trying to get as many people as possible to know the story. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.